0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Tim Yuma, and you're listening to Moving Up the Ladder, where the success of your career is our focus. Today, we're speaking with Scott Evelyn about his new book, Overworked and Overwhelmed, which not only examines the state of being for many individuals, but offers a way past this. Scott is an executive coach and speaker, and he's also a former Fortune 500 executive himself, so he's experienced the demanding expectations and challenges that he addresses with this book. Scott, thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
0: So, overworked, overwhelmed, is that really where we're at as a society? Is there evidence, research that backs it up? Uh, Give us a little background.
1: Yeah, well, so there's certainly anecdotal evidence, and there's statistical evidence, I think, that that's the case. Uh, Anecdotally, I I speak to uh, four or five audiences a month, probably, of executives, you know, 100 people in the room, and I, I do a lot of executive coaching, and if I ask people... How many of you feel like it's crazier this year than it was the year before? Just about every hand will go up. And it's been that way over the last five or six years for people. If I ask them, that same audience, how many of you are in the same job today that you were in a year ago, but the scope today is a lot bigger than it was a year ago, 70 or 80% of the hands are going to go up every single time. And wow. I think what's going on is the financial crisis of 2008, even though the economy has begun to recover from that, there was a dynamic that started back then organizations had to learn very quickly how to do more with less in order to survive, and I think that's continued to face. I mean, that more with less operating uh, environment and approach is what most professionals are living in today. If you combine that with the emergence in 2007 of the iPhone and the Android smartphones that followed the iPhone, the smartphone is the quickest technology ever to reach a billion people worldwide. Hmm. And, you know, I, I read the other day a great line, it's a computer we carry around in our pocket that's masquerading as a phone. <laughs> and, it, you know, it enables 24-7 connectivity. One of the fascinating pieces of research I found in, in working on this book was a study from the Center for Creative Leadership last year that it was a study of 500 smartphone-enabled executives, managers, and professionals. And it found that they are connected to their work for 72 hours a week. Oof. Yeah, you know, there's only 168 hours in a week, 72 connected to work, you know, 56, maybe seven times, eight hours a day, 56 hours sleeping, eating and breathing that leaves you or bathing that leaves you 40 hours a week to do everything else you have to do. And so why do you feel overworked and overwhelmed? I wonder.
0: So, I mean, obviously you, you mentioned all this research and, and evidence uh, that's out there, so to speak. Um, how about from your personal experience? I mean, is that what led you to write this book? Did you just feel people needed some guidance? What was sort of the impetus behind yeah, actually creating this? Yeah, so
1: there's two reasons, big reasons why. One reason is sort of external, and it's it's the people that I just talked about. I mean, I see this in my professional work all the time. Right. You know, they're, they're my peeps. You know, they're the people I'm working with, and I really want to do what I can to help From a more internal or kind of personal perspective, I've learned how to live this way myself, especially over the last three or four years. I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in in 2009 and had a really rough second half of that year and a really rough 2010 until the end of the, you know, I went from being a six or seven mile at a time runner to barely being able to walk around the block or dragging myself up by the banister to get upstairs to go to bed at night. Hmm and my wife yeah you know, obviously was really concerned and said hey, you know maybe you should try yoga i've heard it does things does good things for people that have uh, you know issues like yours And so I was really nervous about it because I could hardly stand up. You know, my balance was terrible because of the MS. And I I went to class the first night and I said, hey, you know, teacher, you need to pay attention to me because (laughs) I probably shouldn't be here. And she said, don't worry. We have people, you know, with chronic illnesses here all the time. And here's the deal. If you come here three days a week, it'll change your body. If you come here more than three days a week, it'll change your life. So I chose option B, and I started going more than three days a week, and she was right. It changed my body, and it changed my life. I travel all over the place again. I write all the time. I speak all the time, and, you know, it's simple little steps beginning from being with yoga towards a more mindful approach to work and life. It's When you have house, it's really vital that you manage your stress mm-hmm. because if you, if you don't, you're going to immediately feel it in your body, and the symptoms come back, and that's why I've gotten so serious about this myself. And the same things that work for me personally are the things that I'm advocating in the book. And it's all backed up by science, it's not just my, my own personal story. It's backed up by research and science. Sure. But the stuff I do is going to make a difference for people that don't have a chronic illness but feel overworked and overwhelmed.
0: So obviously you mentioned, you know, your own experience there, which, um, you know, obviously I can sympathize a little bit with, I've had some family members with MS, so um, I can appreciate it oh, at okay. least from kind of the, you know, from the sidelines, so to speak, seeing kind of the difficulties there, kind of taking it back to the idea of, you know, in the workplace and how people do feel these ways as far as overwhelmed and overworked. Is there, are there some reasons that people just don't draw a line in the sand and say, you know, I'm not doing this or we can't do this anymore? Is it just not practical? Why doesn't that occur more often? Because you don't really hear any stories about that.
1: About why they why they don't stop. You don't hear the stories. Yeah, I mean. Doing just, what they're doing.
0: Right. Essentially just saying, you know, I'm, I can't do this. Any, this is where I'm drawing the line right here.
1: Yeah. I think there's a couple of things going on. First is this 24-7 hyper-connected environment we're in makes it really easy to lose sight of any boundaries that you maybe had in your life, right? Mm-hmm. And so, we you know, we get sucked into that. And then I think the other thing is I'm seeing this a lot with folks. Initially, they don't see any way out. Mm. And especially when you when you talk about, uh, well, you know, maybe some of this stuff from the mindfulness traditions might help. Well, most people when they hear mindfulness they think, you know, monks meditating for hours and you know doing sure. yoga twenty hours a week or whatever. <laughs> and it doesn't really need to be that way. What all the mindfulness traditions over thousands of years, what they all have in common in the end is. They help you activate your body's rest and digest response. And we've all heard of fight or flight. And Mm -hmm. I think most professionals today are in a chronic state of fight or flight. That's your body's gas pedal. It's your sympathetic nervous system that in case of an emergency, it's a great thing. But we rarely live in a state of emergency, but our bodies feel like it is because of all the input coming in. We're trying to keep it up and sort it all out. So we've got this braking system in our body that's the parasympathetic nervous system called rest and digest. And what I'm trying to teach people to learn how to do is really simple things that are in the sweet spot and easy to do and it will definitely make a difference, ways to activate your rest and digest response. Like, okay, you can't meditate for 10 minutes. Great. How about could you can you take three deep breaths? Because that's gonna impact, that's gonna have the effect of activating rest and digest for you. If you could just take those three deep breaths, slow yourself down and bring the brakes in to counteract the gas pedal a little bit. Or you can't do a yoga class or you can't find 45 minutes to go do some other kind of exercise. Could you stand up from your desk and stretch for five minutes? Mm-hmm. Most people could. And it's it's what I call killer apps and different domains of routines, physical, mental, relational, and spiritual. And what all of those killer apps have in common is they all activate, rest, and digest. And that's that's the key. That's the easy to do, likely to make a difference step that pretty much everybody can take no matter where they're starting from.
0: Along with that, um, yeah, I had seen some mentions of the idea of being present and how a lot of people aren't present. And we're not necessarily talking physically being there and not, you know, we're not on the subject of remote working, but of actually being in the moment and understanding what's going on and, and being committed to that. Where does that come into play? What are some strategies that can help people as far as achieving that?
1: I think part of it comes from the myth of multitasking, right? right? We, sure. You know, the smartphone, the smartphone makes us feel like we can do more than one thing at once. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can kind of, I can kind of check my smartphone and also pay attention to the person that I'm with, and you know, I can do two or three things at once. Again, all the research shows that's actually not true. Right. You know, that your that your mental performance and your attention both degrade. You know, when you're trying to multitask, but the technology, you know, makes us believe that we can do that. And the other thing is we get addicted to it. Hmm. You know, I mean, like literally, chemically, neurochemically addicted to it. Every time that text message goes off or that email notification goes off on your phone, you get a little shot of a chemical called dopamine in your brain. (laughs) And it's like, oh, that might be something interesting. And so if I ask people, "How how many times a day are you getting an email or a text message? Usually I hear somewhere between 100 and 200 times. So 100 to 200 times a day, you're getting that little shot of dopamine. Boom, 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 boom. Well, no wonder you're distracted, right? And so a simple thing to do that makes a difference is schedule some time during the day when you actually are going to pay attention to your email and then put the phone away the rest of the time. You know, it's like I'm going to going to put my phone away during this meeting. I'm going to put it in airplane mode. Right. So it can't notify so it can't notify me. And people initially are like, wow, I can't imagine doing that. But when they when they do it, it's like that made so much of a difference. That meeting was so much better or if I plug my phone in the charger, in the laundry room, when I walk in from the garage in the evening and leave it there until my kids go to bed. Wow, I have a much stronger connection with my kids and my and my spouse that evening because I wasn't distracted by, you know, the electronic interruptions.
0: I think that's a great point as far as really forcing yourself to be disciplined and, and literally put it away because, as you said, it's so easy now to, to feel or see that alert that people do jump on right away. Now, aside from multitasking, you brought that up as being a major part of this, what other mistakes do you see people making when they are at least they think they're trying to be mindful or present in what they're doing? Are there certain areas where they're just misconstruing what the ideal would be?
1: That's a great question. I I think a part of it is not considering the opportunity, you know, and, and recognizing that it will fit their lifestyle no matter what lifestyle they have or mm-hmm. what of beliefs they have or traditions they come from, it's, you know, it's sort of value neutral in that respect. The way I define mindfulness is mindfulness equals two things. It equals awareness plus intention, awareness of what's going on around me and also inside of me in terms of my thought process and my emotional response to what's going on around me. Once I'm aware, I can then be more intentional about what I'm going to do or maybe more importantly, not do next. And so, you know, most of us, I think, would say, you know, being more aware and being more intentional, that's a, that's a good thing. You know, I could go for that. And so that's thats really where I want to start. You know, let's put all the mystery aside and all the woo-woo stuff aside that maybe you think mindfulness is all about. Really, it's just about being more aware and intentional. And one of my favorite authors in this space, John Cabin-Zen, asked this great, great question. He said, yeah, mindfulness might be a little bit challenging, but what's the alternative? Hmm. You know, I think, well, what would it be? Mindlessness? Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) You know, and I'm going to wake up and be mindless today. I don't think any of us start the day that way. But I think just having that idea of what can I do to be more aware and intentional, take my foot off the gas pedal, you know, sort of tap the brakes a little bit so I can show up more present, attentive and intentional about what I'm really trying to do here with this person in this moment, on this task, whatever it is.
0: Well, you bring up there that, of course, in general, people do want this sort of, if you want to call it mindfulness, presence, however you want to phrase it. What would you say people are going to feel or notice as far as a difference if they really do reach this state and they really do make that commitment to be mindful in everything they're doing? What would they actually feel and experience so they know that they've achieved it?
1: I can tell you what my experience is, and I, I think it's, it's true with a lot of the people that I've worked with and have and talked with about this. I think the first thing... Like for me, somebody asked me the other day, do you ever get overworked or overwhelmed? Yeah, like all the time. I mean, because the external stuff, I can't control a lot of that, you Mm -hmm. know, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of demands on my time and attention, just like everybody else. The difference for me though, and I think it's the difference for a lot of people that, that have pursued this, is I recognize it a lot earlier. I recognize a lot earlier when I'm feeling overworked and overwhelmed, and then I know what to do about it. And so, like you know, if I'm trying to to write uh, this report or write this blog post, you know, and it's the tenth blog post I've written this week because we're in book launch mode, I'm just not feeling it. You know, I can sit there for another hour at the computer and try to grind it out and really not end up with anything that's going to be any good anyway. Or I can just take a deep breath, and say, "Wait a second, I need to go take a break. I'm going for a walk, mm-hmm. and I'll be back in fifteen. I'll be back in fifteen minutes." That actually happened last week. You know, I I was feeling that way, went out for a walk for ten or fifteen minutes, moved that rhythmic repetitive motion that activates rest and digest. Came back and I finished the thing in twenty minutes. Because I'd given my I'd given my brain a break, you know, and that's really what we're talking about is recognizing when you are overstressed, when you are overworked and overwhelmed, and having enough awareness to be intentional about changing it up. Okay. Let me stand up and move for a little bit. Let me take some deep breaths and just kind of clear my head and get the chatter out of my mind right, through some deep breathing.
0: I think the great thing about this is you know, for anyone who's listening who or gets the book, obviously, if they've been in the workforce for any amount of time. I think everyone can relate to it. You know, a lot of the points that you're bringing up, whether it be the connectivity or it be the, just the feeling of stress and being overwhelmed, I think that's where this really hits a lot of people right where they needed to, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to leave uh, our show here today by giving you the floor at the end. Just give our listeners a final takeaway, something you feel that is important to let them know that would be a nice kind of wrap-up of our conversation today.
1: Yeah, you know, one thing I would leave our listeners with is just to remember and acknowledge that the only person who's going to take care of you is you. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> no, very, very unlikely that people are going to swoop in and say, Tim, you need to like, you know, take a break, go out for a walk.
0: I mean, you, you, have
1: to, you have to work on this for yourself. And even the busiest people I've found, the people who are racked and stacked the most on their calendars, I'm in this category too. You still have five minutes here and 10 minutes there over the course of the day. And so the question is, what are you going to do with that five or 10 minutes? Are you going to answer 10 more emails? Is that really going to get you that much further? Or are you going to take care of yourself and give yourself an opportunity to just kind of settle and come back to it uh, much more focused, much more aware, much more intentional. That would be my closing comment for the folks that are listening. You've got to take care of yourself.
0: And that sounds actually like a great place to end this episode of Moving Up the Ladder and our conversation about being overworked and overwhelmed, which is actually the name of a new book by Scott Eblen. Again, that's Overworked and Overwhelmed. And Scott has joined us today to discuss some of the points that he brings up in the book as well as some ways to get past those feelings that I'm sure many of you listening our feeling on a daily basis. Scott, thanks again for coming on, sharing some of the information you have in the book, as well as your experiences. We do appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Tim. My pleasure.
0: And as always, if you want to reach out to us with any suggestions for future shows or feedback from this one, go ahead and shoot an email to Radio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter. Find us at the LJN. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.